Hey, Alexandra, come here. Listen, have you seen Cindy? Cinderella. Looks like someone has a crush. Cindy's back on the block? Oh, yeah, she's back. She's back and she's going hard. Merry Christmas, bitch. Woo! <laughs> I got some good news to tell you about me and Chester. I know what it is. You're breaking up with him. Thank God. I'm gonna be cheating on you like that. Wait, 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 wait. what? You, you didn't know? Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. We are the Film School Brats. I'm Sterling. And this is Cloud. And this is a show where we talk about everything entertainment from the perspective of a film student and a film industry professional. A film school graduate? Maybe? A film school graduate. There we go. <laughs> we have very little qualifications to talk about it, but we do it anyway because it's fun. And today on another edition of You Haven't Seen That, we are going to talk about Sean Baker's Tangerine. We thought that it would be an appropriate film to talk about for Pride Month. I don't know if it's internationally recognized, but at least in the U.S., June is Pride Month. So this is a film about two transgender, two black transgender sex workers, mm -hmm. and we see a day with them. So essentially, Cindy, one of, one of the characters, comes back from a prison sentence and she finds out that her boyfriend, who's also her pimp, has been cheating on her. And I guess the rest of the movie is kind of this like road trip buddy adventure to find Chester, the pimp, and to find the girl who he's been cheating with. General thoughts. So I realized that I love movies that have a very simple concept and just really, really develop it. I don't know why it's taking me this long to realize that. But I usually like things that are contained, but very thorough. And so this, I even just hearing your description, I was like, yeah, that's it. Like, that's all you need to know. It's just woman finds out she's been cheated on, goes on a quest to like find the guy and find the girl. Right. Which I thought was great. I applaud when films or stories are just compelling enough that the premise is compelling enough to like sustain the whole movie and it actually works. So. Right. And the the story is simple but of course the intrigue is that this is about black trans sex workers which is not something we ever really see in the mainstream it's also famously shot on iphone 5s's yes. so it has that very cheap look but it it works <laughs> it does i i wasn't sure how i felt about it at the beginning you know mm -hmm. with all the the music and I was like, ooh, I, stylistically, it's very strange. But along the way, I kind of forgot about it. And it just, it works. With the the world that we're in, it's kind of a, a grungy Los Angeles, kind of the underbelly that we don't see or talk about too much. About, I, I assume, a real community of trans sex workers. Yes. I think for me just touching a little bit on the iPhone thing. And I don't want to dwell too much on it because I think a lot of people just focus on that. Right. <laughs> As if the movie is just about it being shot on iPhone. But what I, it didn't feel like a gimmick to me, which is what I was worried about. Mm -hmm. Instead, it felt like a way of being more intimate. You know, it almost felt like a documentary the way it looked and it felt more genuine. And even just how everything is a bit brighter like brighter and more contrasty you know i think we're very used to seeing things that are totally like desaturated and that's what drama is it's just like almost 
freaking everything's blue. <laughs> yeah. And I love that this movie's just, you know, like orange and yellow and just these very bright colors and they really take advantage of that. So I think shooting on iPhone might not work for every type of project, but for this, it didn't feel like a gimmick. It actually felt like it was adding to it and it really, they belonged together. Yeah, it's very saturated. And I think I read somewhere that they decided to name it Tangerine just because they saturated it and it looked orange. So th that's what I was thinking, because there's nothing about tangerines at all. It's just sort of the look and feel of it. right? Yeah, Sean had said something. Yeah, we're on a first name basis here. Sean oh, yeah, yeah. had Our said, buddy, Sean. <laughs> Sean said, you know, I was talking to him at the uh, the Florida Project premiere, and, and he said, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> and he said that, it, like, at the Spirit Awards, the world is just very colorful, and that's why the name Tangerine came about. That part's real. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Huge disclaimer here. <laughs> uh, but I, I agree that I feel like some other movies that are shot on iPhones, they try their best to really polish it, so it looks like it were shot on or it looks as if it were shot on a normal camera because they pour all this money into the rigs and and lighting and everything and that's not here at all like this is a very bare bones shot movie yeah but i did hear him talk about how they did they did shoot everything visually on iphone but they recorded sound as you would on any oh, regular movie yeah saying that you know and I think we all know this, but it's much harder to forgive bad sound than it is to forget a bad, you know, quote unquote, bad image. For sure. Because that's part of the aesthetic, you know, if it's kind of grungier, yeah. you kind of go along with it. But if something sounds bad, I think people just check out immediately. And it's one of those annoying things about sound is that when it's good, no one cares about it. But when it's bad, it's just, you can't do it. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to fight me on that? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to argue <laughs> to the death that the cinematography is the most important aspect of the movie. Yeah, it should all be silent films. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think that's what helps bring you into the movie because it is jarring to see the iPhone footage at the beginning. Yes. You're like, ooh, I don't know how I feel about this. But the sound is great and everything else works. So you slowly get pulled into the aesthetic of it. And it, I think it highlights the very... I guess, as I said, grungy L.A. aspect of it, where it's very unpolished and mm -hmm. it almost feels like you're getting a special insight into this world. Absolutely. That I, I think if you shot it on a really nice camera, that it would take away from that experience. Yeah, because you're making it shinier. You're making it more like a movie as yeah. opposed to real life. Yeah. And I something that I thought was really interesting in one of his interviews, and I usually don't really care personally that much about what the director has to say about the film yeah. but in this case i was interested you know to hear his process and he actually said that because he was working with so many like first-time actors that shooting on a phone was he realized the second day of shooting that it actually helped the actors feel more comfortable because yeah. it, was, it wasn't like you were putting a giant you know expensive camera on their faces it was something that people were used to having all the time so you know i think you in, they instinctively just put their guards down which as a director must have been really interesting to work with right for sure because it's not only these two leads that are transgender i think a lot of extras 
are also mm-hmm. transgender. So I'm, I'm sure they're all part of the same community, which is cool because mm-hmm. you can feel that chemistry between everyone. And yeah, I got to say that it feels really natural. It feel, I, at some point, I felt like I was watching real people. Right. I think the line between, sometimes I, I kept reminding myself, this is not a documentary. This is very much a, you know, written story. Yeah. You know, no matter how much improv or, you know, real life scenarios are thrown in it, it's still, mm-hmm. you know, a scripted narrative story. Yeah. And the interesting thing is that Sean Baker is a white straight man. Mm-hmm. so he i mean he must have done a lot of research and consulting and collaboration with these people because i'm sure not every single thing in there is scripted yeah he said a lot of uh a lot of things were improv like he allowed for improv especially in the way that people were talking to each other yeah but from what i read what he did was basically he had this was his fifth feature and mm-hmm. he was sick and tired of doing you know like micro budget films he wanted to do something bigger but the actors he was trying to reach out to like wouldn't do something bigger so he caved in and he was like all right i'll do another micro budget one so he did this for a hundred thousand dollars which is ridiculous um even cooler that he was able to pay all those extras because because they saved so much money on the camera rig on the camera but what he said is that he met uh mia um who plays alexandra yeah um what's her last name is it taylor yeah taylor. mia taylor he met her at a local like lgbtq center in la and mia was super open to letting sean into like her world and he, she introduced him to kiki who mm-hmm. plays the lead sydney uh cindy 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 i was like I need to remember Cinderella. Yeah, yeah. Because I laughed so hard when that happened. Cinderella. Yeah. Um, and the plot of the movie came to be because uh, Kiki had heard, like, overheard this conversation about someone who went to jail and got cheated on with a fish, you know, with a cisgendered woman. woman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I well, we forgot to mention this movie is hilarious. I I guess it's a comedy. It it's is a, a comedy, comedy drama. Did you know that? coming in was that surprising to you or were you expecting it um i had seen the opening first few minutes because my film teacher in in high school showed that to us and i remember Mm -hmm. that like really aggressive music and that in your face style so i expected Mm -hmm. that part i didn't think it was actually going to be funny funny and it's interesting because all the humor mainly comes from the situation it's very situational it's not so much like mm-hmm. a quippy joke kind of funny yeah yeah it's in a lot of big personalities and just right back and forth is funny yeah. right yeah i didn't i actually didn't expect it to be i thought it would be a lot darker just given well, the nature of the world and the subject yeah i thought it was going to be super dark because the only scene i had seen have been shown also in film school hence our title uh was <laughs> was when um cindy goes into the party room at that motel and yeah you know the camera just follows her as like all these yeah uh naked people around the motel room and she drags this girl by the her hair that's all i had seen no context whatsoever so i was you know expecting that (laughs) 
<laughs> so I thought everything around it was going to be more dramatic, but I'm actually really happy it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And I think it might be a huge factor into why this movie did so well. And it was sort of mainstream for an indie movie, especially this sort of budget and why it was so loved at Sundance back in 2015. I think comedy really unites people. And it's one of those things where it's just much easier to relate to someone. And I think it's harder, honestly, comedy, because it's very easy to, you know, have something dramatic and awful and everyone, you know, no one's going to say this is, you know, turn a blind eye on it. But sure. And I think the important thing here is that we're laughing with them and not at them. Mm -hmm. And yes. I think oftentimes when we talk about sex work and prostitution, obviously it is a very, I'm sure it's a very dangerous field, mm -hmm. but these people have friends. Well, they take care of each other and there's this sort of camaraderie in right. it. And it's definitely, it definitely shows you crude and like tough reality. Absolutely. It doesn't gloss over it. And it being a comedy doesn't mean that everything feels magical in this world. It yeah. very much feels real and it feels um, like grungy and you can see that these people are not, you know, they, they are struggling, but yeah. in real life, things don't look as grim as sometimes we see them in movies. Like even when they're, I think a good example is when they're smoking crack. I feel like sometimes in our heads, when we think people are smoking crack, it feels like, you know, bottom of the barrel, like the worst thing you could do. And it's just like, it's so awful. And then you see it, it's just, you know, it's like seeing someone smoke weed, like they're in the bathroom, like it's not this very dramatic moment. <laughs> yeah, and and not not to say that that doesn't exist, but I think we've seen so much of it in movies that it almost becomes gratuitous and kind of mm -hmm. like some weird fetish for some people, like struggle fetish. For sure, absolutely. And I think a big part of that is that when someone is just 100%, 24-7, just, just devastated and like struggling, like, every minute of the day it just doesn't seem real because you've no I think you know in your life you know personally you have met people that are struggling a lot but it doesn't mean that they can't crack a joke or that they don't have friends or that they don't have good times and I think sometimes like you were saying is this fetish of just you know if you're you know if you're struggling you need to be struggling all the time <laughs> if yeah. not you're like fake struggling it's like that's not that's not how real life works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It probably says something about why a lot of comedians are also very depressed. Yeah. Yeah. What I thought was really interesting, just um, I always find it interesting to look back on what was being said about the movie when it was released. Yeah. Especially because I didn't see this in 2015. You know, this mm -hmm. is part of it. You haven't seen that? <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I guess... So, well, yeah. I just I guess we'll say that it's not like a classic classic per se, but it definitely is kind of a, a contemporary cult movie-ish. Yes, it's an indie darling. And I think a lot of times in film school, you are um, expected to have seen right. a lot of these, uh, especially because this, you know, iPhone and, um, you know, giving such a center stage to transgender sex workers. Yeah. Very unusual. Unusual. Uh, but I was going to say is that I realized that at, um, when this movie was premiering at Sundance, the way it was described, it was just kind of the, it had the synopsis of the film, but it never mentioned that it was to transgender women. 
Ah, that were the friends. And this, the first still, you know, the, the picture that was released, mm-hmm. it's sort of just their shadows. So you can see yeah. it's the sunset and you see them and they have, you know, they have feminine figures. Yeah, it just looks um, like two. So, yeah, two women. Yeah, exactly. So I think a lot of people were surprised when they first saw it at Sundance that this movie was very much like not shying away from it being transgender, you know? I think there's an aspect of it where points in the movie i actually forgot that i was watching like specifically trans women mm-hmm. like i was just watching people and then you'll get an offhanded joke where they're talking about like sucking each other's dicks or something then you realize like oh yeah like i remember what i'm watching but the whole world doesn't it doesn't like particularly call attention to it mm-hmm. it's like not every scene they're talking about being trans this is just the reality that they live in Exactly. Which I think is one of the best things about it. And you can really tell that they had input in it because they're just, you know, it's an inside a window into the world. But I will say that one of those instances for me was when Alexandra is in the car with one of, you know, a customer and he won't give her the money at the end, the $40. Or I think this is Cindy, right? No, Alexandra. Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Alexandra. And this customer won't give her the money and they step out of the car and this guy's just, you know, sort of dragging her and beating her. And I was so scared because I thought, oh my gosh, how is she going to defend herself? Like, this is such a terrible situation. Like, what would you do? You know, if this guy won't give you the money, you can't obviously go to the police. Like all these thoughts rushing to my head. And then there's this little snap moment where Alexandra says like, hold up, you're forgetting that I have a dick too, or something along those lines. You know, like, I am very easily, like, your match. You know, like, you're going to fight me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which, first of all, it was great. It was a great line. It was a great moment. But it was one of those instances where it, it, you know, draws attention to the fact that they're transgender. But sort of in a great way. And I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Yeah, it's (laughs) kind of fun. Like, this guy up. It's kind of funny, too, because I guess even in the context of the world they live in, like those people also, that's their reality. They they don't even think about these prostitutes as being transgender. Like it's for them, it's just like another day in their life, you know? Yeah, exactly. But you do still see, you know, the the aggression. I think there's people where that, you know, Cindy just says like, you know, what are you? Like, what are you looking at? Or at the end, I don't know if this is a spoiler, but that final very awful aggression of throwing the, the urine. Yeah. 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 The piss cup. For I don't sure. know what else to call it. Yeah. You know, you still see that it's not it's not that everyone accepts it. Oh, no. You know, far Absolutely from it. Not. No. Yeah. Because they have to be very clandestine about everything they're doing. Mm-hmm. But I think what's cool about the film overall is that it seems to normalize being transgender, you know? Absolutely. And that was one of my worries, and I think yours too, uh, going into the movie, thinking, I think right now, most, maybe more than in 2015, we always think about, okay, but who's behind the camera? Like, who's telling the story? Yeah. And if the director, writer is, you know, a white person... You know, you got to go in, you know, grain of salt. What am I going to get out of this movie? Yeah. But it felt so genuine. 
and it felt like Sean Baker just, you know, was so open to hearing what these people like were going through. You know, it didn't feel like it was the white perspective of <laughs> like black um, sex, like transgender sex workers. Yeah, it didn't feel like it was like an outside looking in because I think this is, I guess this is kind of an issue that we had with Tiger Tail was that it felt like someone was mm -hmm. telling someone, someone else's, else's story. story and you can really tell that because there's nothing in there that makes it, it, it felt like kind of like a distant yeah like a synopsis a disconnect, yeah. of, of mm -hmm. what's happening in their life and not actually what happened but here it feels very connected and feels again I, we're also not transgender <laughs> yeah. people so i don't know um but at least f from this outside perspective it makes it very accessible and it feels real i'm comparing this a lot to um the florida project just because i haven't seen any of other uh sean baker's films yeah i think that personally before i got to new york city i wasn't really exposed to a lot of um indie films specifically indie films that dealt with um you know this very sort of like sober reality and i remember when i it was 2016 and i watched um american honey yeah and i suffered through it because I just got so overwhelmed with everything like tragic that was happening and all these people like whose lives seemed to go nowhere in a way that wasn't really like Hollywood style of, you know, a glamorized, you know, from rags to riches. I've really grown to love and understand these sort of um, films that deal with the, I don't know, less romantic <laughs> parts of life. I don't know. I think I, I have a hard time expressing what I'm trying to say because I'm still sort of coming to terms with it but I think that I used to feel more alienated from it because it's not my experience at all um and it used to just make me sad and I couldn't see past that but now I I see so much value in giving you know underrepresented and like minorities and just people that get totally overlooked this time on screen so you can you know I think film is the best medium for empathy. I don't know this sounds cheesy, but I truly think it is. Because if you don't see it, odds are you're never going to live through an experience like this. At least not, you know, you, and, you or I, <laughs> you know, like either of us. So I think same thing with like do the right thing where it's giving screen time, screen time and attention to this group of people that are usually the first ones to be cut out of the movie or the ones that, you know, have a line or two. And just giving them all this screen time makes me feel, I guess, closer in a way, because I get to understand it because I'm spending a much longer time with them than I would if I just saw, you know, a movie set in LA that had nothing to do with this, where they just maybe drive by this neighborhood and have a short interaction. I understand what you're saying, and I think I I personally come from it in a slightly different angle in the sense mm -hmm. that when I was getting more into movies and indie films, it wasn't so much that I was like shocked to see movies about, well, by Hollywood standards, like quote-unquote nothing, like where mm -hmm. quote-unquote nothing happens. Yeah. Like that kind of slice-of-life type of indie film. Yeah. 
I think at some point I just got tired of seeing so many fabricated stories where they all end well. Oh, or 100%. They, they all hit the same beats that you expect. And I that predictability left a bad taste in my mouth. And then finally, when I started watching these more indie films where the story is simpler and you really get to know the characters, that's that's kind of what turned me on to this kind of storytelling where it's less so about a, a big mapped out plot and more so about getting to know different characters and different types of people. I couldn't have said it better. <laughs> I think that's such a great point because I I am so sick and tired of knowing that at the 30 minute mark, like <laughs> it's gonna, you know, I'm gonna have this twist and this is gonna happen. And then like all these things that are so predictable that make it so boring. Yeah. And well, look, there's a time and place for that because I I still like watching cheap rom-coms. Oh, for sure, for sure. Because they But if they're... everything were like that, then yeah, you know, absolutely. there's no creativity. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I I I enjoy balance. What is what does Thanos say? Uh Oh god, it's like when he's holding that blade and it's like perfectly balanced as all things should be. Yes, like there we that. go. There we go. <laughs> That's the quote. Perfectly balanced. As all things should be. <laughs> a thing that I thought was super interesting about this movie is how much of it, I don't know if it was because of budget restrictions or just because Sean Baker was very creative in this way, but the fact that he found songs and actors through Vine and Instagram and, you know, I think really adds to building this real world that we're talking about so much. Yeah. And in a weird way, it really goes hand in hand with being shot on an iPhone. You know, you're shooting on an iPhone and also like getting people off of Vine, like an app. It's very much of the time. I think it's fun that you mentioned that too, because Sean Baker, I guess if you don't know what he looks like and you don't know anything about him, you would assume he's <laughs> this like super hipster kind of guy. <laughs> But he's like the most diehard classic film nerd. Like if you watch, if you read any of his Letterboxd reviews, they're always like, wish it, this were shot in film. <laughs> this looks great. This looks too digital. And I think that's that's funny yeah. that, that he's so up to speed with current technology and how to use it and take advantage of it. But he's also just a, a very classic practitioner of movie making. Yeah, apparently he would reach out to a lot of people through SoundCloud. Huh, interesting. Yeah. That's cool. The he's dichotomy a... of men. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, he's a cool guy. Yeah, I love that he has so much range, I guess, in his personal life. Where he seems to be a very good listener yeah. and someone that is very willing and open to understand and like take in someone else's world. For sure. And not impose anything on, on it. Yeah. Look, this is how you use privilege. Like, it's not about giving up your privilege. It's about using that to provide a platform. Anyway, that's my little two cent exactly. political statement. <laughs> yeah, I support it. Let's All talk right, about. So, yeah, our favorite our, part. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. I always feel like I'm cheating because I always have two. Okay. Um, but I think one of the scenes that stood out to me the most. And if I had to only choose one, I would just say this one was uh, the car wash scene. Yeah. 
<laughs> yes, with the uh, taxi driver and Alexandria, yeah. who, by the way, I thought she was such a terrific character, just visually. And the way it is shot, where it just holds on it, and you see the whole car going through the entire car wash. And there's, it's like sensual, like gas, but also sort of nerve wracking because you know it's, you know, they could be caught. Taking at time any bomb. Yeah, yeah, at any second. And it just, it would be so terrible if they got caught. Yeah. I don't know. Just everything about it because it, it started off being so sweet. Like you really can tell that these people have a, kind of an amicable relationship but then it's all about like sexual favors but also this very you know unanswered question on the side of the taxi driver where he has a wife and a kid and his family but that's not really who he is well clearly not not entirely satisfied at all (laughs) at all and man i thought it just it just looked stunning. And I know that's not, maybe not the biggest takeaway from that scene is that it looks stunning, but I thought it did. <laughs> yeah. It's the most stunning portrayal of a blowjob. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Very classy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to leave it at that. The okay. other, I'll say really quickly, is the sort of showdown at the... Um, oh, great. Because that's my... Oh, great. That's I'll that's my you... favorite. The climax, shall we say? Yes, I'll let you take it away. Go. <laughs> Pun intended. Yeah, yes. the climax scene in the donut shop, where shit goes down. I, I, we don't need to get too much into spoilers, but that's where all the characters come together. Like the mm-hmm. the main characters that you've seen throughout the film, they finally come together, and it's a big explosion of emotion and comedy and drama. Mm-hmm. I think there was a there was an element that struck me especially in the time that we live now where the donut shop owner kept threatening to call the cops and i was like oh Mm -hmm. shit like because you know just thinking about also how transgender women especially black transgender women Mm -hmm. so you have that and then you you know all the other implications of calling the cops so that kind of made me a little bit on edge but um i'm sure in 2015 that wasn't exactly like on everybody's mind so it's definitely different yeah. now and just very quickly when there's that other scene with the police officers i was also very much on edge yeah and the fact that it was a police uh, a female police officer and she was talking very calmly sort of i was a little bit relieved but i was so ready for it to get violent super quickly yeah, yeah and just that's the interesting thing about looking at things through a different lens and through our current times so mm-hmm. yeah just something to point out but Anyway, the the scene itself is great. I don't I don't want to get too much into it because you should watch the movie. It's short. It's about an hour and a half. It's an easy watch. Yeah, yeah very easy. And something that I I don't think we talked about and we don't need to dwell on it, but the the energy throughout was yeah. so like electric. It's great. It's and very well paced. Super well paced because it doesn't lose steam, you know? You worry that if you start off so strong and like so energetic that you're going to go down like, you know, pitfall to your death. But it didn't. (laughs) Especially for such a thin plot also. Exactly. And this is not really giving much away, but I loved the note the film ends on. And it's kind of like what the whole film is about, just sort of, you know, friendship and camaraderie. But I don't know. I think if you're scared that this movie is going to be, you know, super 
like hard watch and it's gonna be like terrible like it's actually very wholesome it shows a lot of very harsh realities but i don't know the overall message is i thought pretty wholesome it, it yeah considering <laughs> the subject matter it actually is a kind of wholesome movie which is not what i was expecting at all can i just say one thing about yeah. that final like climax scene yeah. something that made my blood boil was um when chester we don't have to get into details but he's like oh this sounds like it's a problem between you two girls so i'm just gonna step out i'm motherfucking just, out i'm motherfucking out like this not concern me i was like <laughs> oh my god if this isn't the truest thing i've ever heard in my life where it's just you know that kind of gaslighting mentality of oh, oh is this a problem that slightly doesn't implicate me okay i'm gonna <laughs> yeah justify my exit then i thought that was great because it's so smart because that's you know what happens in real life and i love how dinah kind of takes his side and he's like shut the fuck up yeah <laughs> like we all know that you're annoying <laughs> yeah oh my god and um just to add on to my first thought about the ending being wholesome there's still a lot of you know let's call them loose ends and you know very sort of sad endings to a lot of the character storylines sure. dinah being one of them the but taxi driver the taxi driver but overall it's not i don't know it's not like a pity party of a movie <laughs> yeah which is great mm -hmm. and it doesn't it's not like poverty porn either yeah oh yeah god <laughs> that needs to stop now <clears throat> east village um <laughs> but I, it, it's, it's great because it ends on kind of a lighter note but it also doesn't completely ignore the realities like you yeah, realize just, that these people are kind of stuck in their situation. Oh, absolutely. And it's not that those uh, women are there because they want it. Like they're there because that's all they can do. Yeah. Like people aren't hiring them. They don't have any sort of, you know, bigger exit strategy. Yeah. Which is another reason why it's great that they're being, that they're able to, you know, act in this movie. <laughs> right. And you it's in, it's important that they can find whatever little that they have is, is friendship ultimately to get through all of this yeah exactly i agree <laughs> great well i think that sums up pretty much everything yeah i really liked it i honestly liked it way more than i i was expecting to like it but i it i don't know yeah I actually, it exceeded I, my expectations sure yeah i had no real expectation i was assuming that i would at least respect it but i <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed it because i didn't think it was going to be funny yes no, so not that dramas are bad but you know no. yeah, yeah yeah but sometimes it's an easier way to like ease into a whole other world right connect right yeah absolutely all right so that about does it <laughs> great so we are actually going to start uploading on sundays now it just makes it for my schedule makes it easier to do it that way and also you can watch tangerine on hulu yeah yes it's on there correct <laughs> <laughs> all right great that's all for this episode thank you for listening we'll catch you next week goodbye bye oh cheer up squid it could be worse yeah you could be bald and have a big nose well this is the end <laughs>